Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Everybody Fits podcast and today we have the lovely Amy Snelling on. Hi Amy. Hello. How are you doing? Are you good? Yeah I'm good thanks, really good. How are you both? Good. Yeah, really really good. Thank you so much for giving up your time to speak to us. I've been so looking forward to this episode. No, you're more than welcome. I was joking on my Instagram because no one ever asked me to do a podcast. <laughs> I can't believe that. I know. I've been on a couple, so no one is is a bit of an exaggeration. Um, Asha Lamy, aka the Fat Doctor, they have asked me on their podcast before. So that's probably one of the only ones that I've done that sort of might anybody recognise. But yeah, I just I was I was joking to someone the other day that maybe I'm coming across a bit like unapproachable <laughs> on my Instagram, <laughs> but. Which is fine. I, I love talking about fitness, and I think that's quite clear from my profile. But yeah, never get asked to do anything. Never get asked to collab with anybody. Just a lone wolf over here, just <laughs> doing it on my own. Well, I think that I think that getting asked to collab with anybody, I think that's a bit of a a broad statement there, because at the minute, I think you've got a heck of a lot going on, Amy, haven't you? Yes. Maybe yeah. yeah. I think when I see people do reels together and things like that, I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Like no one's ever asked me to do that. But yeah, I, true. I have actually got a lot of things going on with other people. But the, yeah, maybe I'm not thinking of them <laughs> collabs in the in the same sense. You, you just you just friends with everybody now. That's it. You yeah. don't even think of it. <laughs> so for for everybody out there who doesn't know who you are, do you want to give a bit of background on yourself? I will try and keep it short because <laughs> it's been a long old road. Um, so I'm Amy Snelling. I am a personal trainer and I sort of, I wouldn't say specialise because I think that's a little bit of a of a funny word, uh, but I mainly focus at the moment on pre and postnatal and I guess busting myths in the fitness industry to do with um, exercising when you're pregnant or and not just through pregnancy and then postpartum but in that wider period of just being a parent who's trying to navigate exercise and fitness and then more broadly as well and um, some of the advice that you get around exercise and nutrition in the fitness industry I sort of just take the mick out of it all a little bit and I try to I find using humor is the best way so that's what I tend to do. I do online coaching at the minute and I run a couple of fitness groups with another trainer called Michael. I'm sure we'll talk about <laughs> all that in a bit. But yeah, that's pretty much me uh, where I'm at in the minute. Me currently 22 weeks pregnant as me and Amy just tried to figure out because this is my third pregnancy. I've sort of switched off. So I'm a bit like, how many weeks pregnant am I? Am I still pregnant? What's going on? Like, <laughs> I think anybody who's had more than like is on sort of their third or plus pregnancy if you're running around after a little one as well you're so busy that you just don't you don't have the same energy to give to the pregnancy that you've currently got whereas all the other ones are very much like you post your bounty email on your Instagram story and you, you know you're very focused on it but yeah everything's just really full on at the minute and busy and yeah that's me at the moment. <laughs> So how did you, because obviously when you, you train as a personal trainer, everyone does the bog standard qualification and then it kind of 
you take a little bit of time to figure out if you want to specialize in anything or if you want to go down just the generic route I suppose so how did you decide that you wanted to go down this pre and postnatal fitness myth debunking avenue if you want to call it that I mean it's it's been a very recent thing um the pre and postnatal especially the myth busting side so i've been a personal trainer for a number of years now and as soon as i started being a personal trainer i was very much um diets are rubbish weight loss isn't for everybody there's lots of harm in the industry so you already start off fighting this um beast that we call diet culture and so you i was already in a position where i was like questioning a lot of the things that we traditionally get told and I think when you're already in that position, you're, you're in a good place to then question other things uh, that you're being told in the fitness industry. But it was only very recently, um, I was pregnant with Freya two years ago now, and I sort of completely just missed the opportunity to do anything to do with pre and postnatal, even though I was a fitness trainer who was pregnant and still exercising through that pregnancy. And then um, as soon as I, was, I felt ready to do so after birth, I got back into it. I went back to my gym based role teaching classes and I just sort of ignored that whole chunk of the industry and I suppose missed an opportunity. But I'm glad in a way because I wouldn't have been able to do it in the same way as I do now. So I I started to do more training um, now online with um, a company called Faster, who Amy is uh, familiar with. I think you do a course with them and the first course I did with them was the injury recovery course um, with a guy called Ollie Pierce. Any trainers listening, it's a fantastic course. The only one that you'll need for injury recovery, brilliant. And that started to unpick some of the things that I thought that I knew were true about um, the human body, about movement, about the way injuries happen and are rehabbed. And Fast is just this amazing uh, company run by this lovely bloke called John. And he has been about for very many years in the fitness industry. He's met all the big names like that you could uh, even think of. And he, in the last few years, he'd started to develop uh, the Faster process, which is where he gives trainers the tools to research their own topics. So if you've got a client who's uh, got a particular, say, for example, an injury, you don't just Google, <laughs> Dr. Google, how do I help this client or take the word of another personal trainer online who's positioning themselves as a guru or an injury rehab guru. You research the injury and the condition yourself using PubMed and Google Scholar. You see what the research says about recovery time and things like that. And through all of those puzzle pieces and then putting your client at the center of that, you then develop a way to help your client. So it's completely client centered. And going into that injury course and meeting John and meeting the other trainers and just, it just really opened my eyes that, you know, weight loss and diets are not the only misinformation that are doing the rounds in the fitness industry. It goes so much deeper than that. And uh, and it's probably an extension of that as well, because it's all about making people feel bad about their bodies, but just in different ways. So when it comes to like injuries, 
making people feel bad about the way that they're moving and the way that they and blaming them for their injury happening it's all a product of the same thing blaming people for their bodies not working in this in the right way or not doing the right thing making up a solution and then selling it to people and it was exactly the same in the pre and postnatal world so this time being pregnant and doing more of the faster courses john was like you should just you need to research some of the pre and postnatal topics he was like it'll make you very angry <laughs> and you'll be very surprised and now i've just gone down this huge rabbit hole of researching some of the most popular things that are said in the pre and postnatal fitness space and discovering that they're not based on any solid research or you know people are just using very loose and poorly um poorly defined terms to describe things and again it's just another way of making somebody feel like their body's a problem and then mm. making up a solution to make them feel better so that's where it's all started this time but i'm glad it was this pregnancy because i wouldn't have had the tools to do it in the same way if i'd have done it before but yeah it's been it's been eye-opening a little terrifying <laughs> a bit frustrating but the the humor is is how i'm trying to sort of pick through it all because if you don't laugh as they say, uh, I, was gonna, cry. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, because you mentioned about stuff making you angry. And uh, do you do you find that you channel that through the, your passion for what you're doing as in, you know, myth busting and, and pulling the anger and turning it into passion? Or is that, are you still quite angry over Oh, definitely. I think I am naturally quite an angry person. Again, maybe this is why no one asked me to go on their podcast, but naturally get quite angry about things. Um, and that, again, that all started going into the industry, already knowing about things like weight stigma and thin privilege and, and you know, the corruption of body positivity and going in, knowing that intuitive eating is much a much better route for people who are trying to have a good relationship with food and their body i was already way angry about all of those things and then the anger just sort of like hasn't ever <laughs> gone away because it's just been replaced yeah, i was replaced. hoping you'd say because i'm a lot newer to this space than, than you and um i remember we had i think we had a um i met you way back when i was at not way back it wasn't that long ago when I was at the very very first part of my journey and we did a um Hayes mastermind and uh I remember I was like really at the start and and sort of saying how angry I was and and you were there sort of like you'd, you'd hopped onto the um call and then you then you disappeared off again and I was like oh no <laughs> But, yeah, I, th I think everybody goes through, I mean, I get really angry all the time. And it's funny because I don't know about either of you, but you'll be having conversations with people about things that you're so angry about and you're, you're expressing your anger. And if they're not in that space and they don't understand, if they're not in the fitness space, sometimes my husband will be looking at me and I can see <laughs> kind of like, edging away from me or his eyes just glaze over and he it's it, it's like yes I know that you're passionate about this but I can't get on that level with you so it is it's hard sometimes to be that angry and frustrated but it's good that we've got people out there that have got that passion because 
some of the information that you're putting out, Amy, is amazing. So I, um, I've done my pre and postnatal qualification, and I remember doing it, um, with the intention that I knew that I wanted to get pregnant, but also I only work on a one-to-one with women now, um. And that's purely from point of view of when I um, when I got diagnosed with like PCOS and endometriosis and, and I started to look into um, just hormone changes and the effects that they had, I felt like I was leaning more towards things that would benefit women more. Um, and to be honest, I work with mostly part-time working mums that live in the village that I live in. And when I did the qualification, it was very, very black and white. But every pregnancy is not the same. And every, like, every body is not the same. And we know that through exercise. But when your body is going through such a huge change, and it's like, okay, well, when your bump gets bigger, widen your legs for a wider squat. And maybe just don't go as low. And maybe do this and maybe do that. And I was like, but some people like some people can comfortably exercise at exactly that like the same level all the way through pregnancy and some people have to change straight away I had a client that was six weeks and she was out of breath constantly so we had very very short sets with long rests and she felt good that she was moving but other clients wouldn't be like that and thing it's things like that that are quite frustrating so for you if there's anything that you would pinpoint as like the biggest red flag that has come up what would you say that it is oh wow all of it (laughs) (laughs) just end the podcast there what have we got um (laughs) nearly everything so things like saying that's a very generic broad piece of advice saying you might want to take a wider squat stance and that is um, a good piece of advice for most people exercising during pregnancy what's funny as well is that most people do that automatically because your body is so clever and so adaptable and the feedback loops that you're in all the time with your central nervous system and everything like that your body would never allow you to squat with a narrow stance with a big bump because in your head it just doesn't make sense. And that psychological element just means that your body would never put you in a position where you were going to harm yourself or you or knock your bump because that's going to, you know, potentially harm your baby. So all of the things that are said in, in terms of like adapting exercise, they're kind of common sense and they kind of make sense and your body just wouldn't allow you to do it. But as, that's probably as far as the usefulness goes, because until you've got the individual client in front of you and you know what their goals are and you know what they want to achieve, none of that really matters. Like all that matters is them. So like you with your client, you uh, adapted that in the, in the moment with her and that's all you can do. So the qualification itself is incredibly basic. It's like you're saying, it's very black and white. They don't give trainers the tools to um, you know, work one-to-one with people or put their client at the center. But worse still is the misinformation that exists within the qualification because it is just too basic. Um, 
So things, I think one of the biggest ones that was really eye-opening for me was the diastasis recti and how um, there's actually, we've actually got no evidence that core exercises can heal um, a, a diastasis recti gap. Um, it's something that heals on its own. Whether you do nothing or whether you exercise, it will, uh, the gap will get smaller on, on its own. And any gaps that don't get smaller on their own and, and cause the client upset in terms of they don't like the way it looks can only be sorted through surgery. But it's deemed as a cosmetic procedure because the gap is not considered pathological. It's not considered a problem. And in only in very rare circumstances can it cause um, a hernia, which is which you wouldn't need exercise, you would need surgery again. So if you go on Instagram and follow any pre and postnatal fitness provider, you will see hundreds of you know core workouts, workouts to heal diastasis recti, but you can't. <laughs> Not only can't you heal it with exercise you don't need to we've got no reason to suggest that we need to heal that with exercise because it doesn't cause a problem some people might not like the way it looks but again that's it's not a, a it's a cosmetic concern it would be more supporting your client through accepting their body as it is now not telling them that core exercises are going to heal it because we've got no evidence that it works We've got evidence that maybe any kind of movement is beneficial postpartum, but we've got no evidence to suggest anything specific to anybody. But again, it would all come down to that individual client. What do they want to achieve? Because most of the time, as a um, as a postpartum person, you're sort of if you're looking at a, a fitness influencer or fitness professionals page, you're probably going to think that that is something you need to worry about. And suddenly that becomes your goal, even though you didn't even know it was important because that's all anybody's going on about. So people are making this a problem when we don't even need to think about it. Like I said, it, in circumstances where that is an issue, you would need a doctor, not a fitness professional. So a lot of people are spending a lot of time doing core workouts after they give birth for no reason at all. I mean, if you like core exercises, that's great. If you've got a client who um, is feeling particularly protective about their body and only wants to do like limited ranges of motion, you might start them with some core exercises on the mat. You know, there are times when those exercises will be necessary, but to rec blanket recommend to every single person who's given birth, you need to focus on this is just wrong and incorrect so mm. that was probably one of the biggest ones but yeah all of it <laughs> yeah that just um yeah. that just sums up the fitness industry though doesn't it like literally all you've just said because it's there's no need to focus on that one thing and actually it could potentially be detrimental and you could yeah. equate that to to weight loss there's no you don't need to focus and actually it's been proven that if you focus on that, then it's actually going to be detrimental. And it's, it's pointless to just focus on that because yeah. So yeah. It, I can understand the anger because it's, mm -hmm. yeah. makes me angry. And, and I think it's when, especially in the pre and postnatal, it's at a point when women are at their most vulnerable as well. So if, if anything, we need more concise and, and more, 
informed information if, if that even makes sense um but instead they're talking about all the the when they talk about exercise for pre and postnatal they never talk about the the benefits really that it will have on you mentally or the benefits that it could have on you staying healthy the majority of the time it is the focus on how easy it will be to stay in shape or to get your pre-baby body back and things like that are really really frustrating um but just quickly for people who were listening who don't actually know what diastasis recti is do you want to explain explain that that special um technique that we use with our fingers to check for it so yeah what what is particularly worrying about a pre and postnatal course is they teach personal trainers how to check a client for diastasis recti again this is a complete waste of time because it it doesn't it's not harmful to your client it you can't make it go away with exercise it's something that goes away on its own so during pregnancy um, you obviously your middle expands a lot to accommodate for your growing baby and the connective tissue, um, no one can see my belly, but <laughs> the connective tissue that runs down the center of your abdominal wall, the linear alba, it breaks away, it stretches and it comes apart. And this terrifies a lot of people when they first hear about this happening, but it's completely normal, it's designed to happen. If it didn't happen, you wouldn't be able to carry a baby to full term. And that's very important that that is something that happens because it means that you'll be able to have um, your healthiest possible pregnancy. So that bit of connective tissue comes apart in the middle. It can come apart in the middle. It can come apart at the top. It can come apart slightly to the side. There's all different sort of ways that it can come apart, but it's to allow for that growth of the baby. And it happens in the third trimester, mostly because that's when babies gain the most weight in the womb, ready for them to come out into the world. And over time, so after your baby is out, that goes back together um, to an extent. Some, some people will always have a little gap there, whereas some people will heal to the point where they just won't notice it's even there. So that's what diastasis recti is. It's the name of the gap that forms um, for the, with that stretching. And yeah, I think there's, there's so much focus on the core when it comes to pregnancy and post birth. And it all just contributes to that narrative that like pregnancy, makes your body weak or it ruins your body somehow and i think that's one of the worst parts of the the pre and postnatal fitness industry is it it is all underpinned by this idea that your body is somehow um weaker and not as capable of doing things and again this we've just got very little evidence to support that's true yes of course your body changes as you get pregnant and as your baby grows and this changes that happens in birth, but these things are all really normal and your body is designed to do them and your body is designed to, to an extent, heal itself back to a point, but there'll always be things that don't always go back to how they were, but that's a sign of how brilliantly adaptable a body is when it gets pregnant and not a sign that there's anything wrong with it. So it's really important that traders start to like try and change that narrative around pregnant bodies exercising and and how people feel post-birth but yeah the, the focus on the core is one of the most sort of insidious places where we all find misinformation and it is all part of that 
this is what this is what's wrong with your body and this is how to fix it again just that like equation that's always like bringing us back to diet culture and like you were saying kim about the weight loss is people are sometimes focusing on weight loss so much that it just becomes a barrier to what they actually want to achieve and it's the same with pre and postnatal this focus on the core and making the core strong even though we've got no evidence that it's weak or you know we're missing a lot of context like strong for what what do we want it to be strong for strong to do what task there's a lot of context missing there but we focus on the core being weak and then it just gets in the way of what the client actually wants to be able to do like you might ask your client you know what what is your goal they might say i want to go rollerblading that's nothing to do with doing core exercises on, on a mat and you know focusing on on a on a gap that they don't even know if it's going to go away by itself or not so it's, it's all just this you they're just focusing on these things and they're just putting them in people's way and then it stops them from actually mm -hmm. figuring out what they want to do and again it's it's when we compare it to how dieting can distract people and take over it's the same thing but just framed in a different way mm -hmm. and rubbish for the client <laughs> I was yeah. wondering why, where that misinformation came from, like where it originated from. But we all we all know it's diet culture, don't we? Like, and and it's the most basic of thing. It's like, oh, a woman grows a belly. Woman needs to shrink her belly. In order to do that, she must concentrate on the core. There we go. One, two, three, done. Yeah, and it's a real shame. Yeah, it's such a shame because I think for the most part, most fitness trainers who are specialising in that area, they are they say they're empowering women, and I do believe that they are doing the best with the information that they've got, and it's not really their fault. It's the courses and the training providers that are giving the wrong information and that just then continues the cycle of trainers who are also giving the wrong information and you know continuing the narratives about bodies in a certain way but it's really hard to say that you're empowering people when you're also focusing on things that are meant to be wrong with their body like that's never going to be empowering to say oh, after pregnancy, this can happen, or your posture will make you in pain, or, you know, all of these things that are sort of said about pregnant bodies, like, they think that it's empowering to offer a solution, but actually focusing on the problem will never mean that that's empowering at all. But that's how I see it now, especially, is it doesn't matter how hard these people are working to try and provide a solution, by focusing on these problems that aren't problems, it, it will just never be... The empowering thing that they want it to be at all mm -hmm. yeah and I think you you're right when you talk about focusing on the goal that the client wants because I think a lot of the time the client does lose sight of the goal because they're listening to what they think they should be focusing on rather than what they actually want um and I think if you are working with someone who is pregnant, you need to sit down and have that conversation because quite often all a woman wants in pregnancy is to be able to keep moving and to, to feel comfortable and to enjoy being able to move. And quite often that is possible all the way up until my last client that gave birth get, we had a session like five days before 
Um, and she was over the moon because she's had three pregnancies. This is the only one where she's exercised and she said it was the fastest labor. So she's, she's putting it down to moving, but all she wanted was to get through the pregnancy and she enjoyed exercise and she wanted to keep exercising and wanted to be able to do it in a way that felt right for her body at the time. And that is fine. You don't have to focus on keeping a tight core or maintaining that posture or watching out for your lower back or making sure you've got strong glutes because you're going to be having to lift baby bending over squatting it all the time as soon as baby is born. But these are all the messages that we're given. Um, and I don't know about you being pregnant now, if you see that a lot more, whether that's because of the research or whether that's because you are pregnant, that is, you just become more aware of it. Um, so I think from posting about these topics on my own Instagram, my targeted ads are now a vicious place. <laughs> so the amount of sponsored ads I get for uh, pre and postnatal fitness and some of, and, but then that's, that gives me more ammo just to spur me on because I'll see that I'll be suggested this post and I'm going, well, that's wrong. That's wrong. Got no evidence for that. That's wrong. You know, just going, wow. And then I'll go on these profiles and these people have got half a million followers, some of them more, and their entire feed is just, none of it can be proved um, with any kind of research or any evidence at all and this this was a, a big thing for me to start doing my own research because I was like well no I'm not I don't know how to read research but again through faster they they help you with that they give you the tools that you need to to find quality research papers and read them and use that use what you've read because I think that's the the hardest part is to read a research paper and then actually be able to use the context of it to either make information for people to read or to help your client and they they gave me the confidence to start doing that and then as soon as i started doing it the easier it became but again from coming from that sort of like anti-diet background it's research that gives that um you know the, the credibility so research about intuitive eating research about haze um, research about weight stigma these things were all all came from a different kind of research research that said different things different things to what we knew and accepted beforehand so when you think about it like you should have quality research to underpin anything you're saying in the fitness industry and a lot of the times the certificates are just so basic or they're out of date um, or it depends who's written them. I feel like things that have come out of America tend to be worse because they tend to have a lot of medical misinformation in their mainstream anyway. You just got to look at things like Dr. Oz, who gets primetime TV slots, um, and he's you know one of the biggest charlatans out there. So courses that come out of America tend to be worse, um, but that's where some of the big names in fitness are, and. The, the fact that the um, industry is so unregulated, anybody can write a course and sell it. So if they've got doctor in their name or their names like followed by all those little letters that you see on Instagram, they've got that authority bias and people buy into what they're saying. So it's it will never be fixed in our lifetimes, I don't think, but 
what stops that anger spiraling um, uncontrollably is when you're one-to-one -one with your clients and you're helping them and you're helping them uh, do things in a way that's meaningful to them and you're stopping them from wasting their time and you're helping them find meaning in the movement that they're doing. That's when it all comes full circle and you go, this is why it's important. This is why it's important that we challenge uh, misinformation and while we challenge narratives that talk about bodies like they're broken when you're seeing the benefit that it's having with one of your one-to-one -one clients or in one of the fitness groups that people are in um, that's where it really comes into its own because otherwise it'd just be a lot of anger yeah <laughs> and, and yeah. not much else but it's... when you make such a difference to people's lives and they you know they tell you what a difference you've made like they've worn a swimming costume in public for the first time ever or you know just things like that which a lot of people sort of take for granted it does make it all worth it, it definitely I mean that's that ultimately that's why we're doing what we're doing um isn't it like it's it's literally just to allow people to live a life that's free from bullshit basically exactly and it's really difficult because obviously people's feelings and their own experiences matter so i i do it's usually in my dms i get a lot of dms off other personal trainers saying this goes against what i learned why would you know more than what my you know my course taught me and it can be really awkward um you know but i i'm on the same playing field I did the course they did. I used to believe that that was fact like they did. And now I've been presented with new information and I've changed my mind on it. And that is the process that you have to go through over and over again. If you're presented with new evidence, you move forward and change your opinion. You don't double down. And mm. you know, as we see a lot of in the, um, in the fitness industry, especially with fat loss coaches and things like when presented with a different experience or you know new information they tend to double down instead of yeah. opening up that conversation and then it, they get very personal and and tend to sort of attack an entire group of people and it's really not helpful it's you know if you've got um, a good balance of research that you've read behind your behind what you're saying then that's all that matters and yeah people's feelings do matter and then I get people DMing me saying well I you're saying this doesn't work but I tried this and it worked for me but that it's so complicated because like for example when somebody has done core exercises and they feel like they've made their their diastasis recti gap go away it's because they they don't know that it could have gone away if they'd have done nothing <laughs> But we'll never know because mm -hmm. there wasn't two of them and we couldn't have one doing nothing and one doing the exercises that they did we'd never be able to compare the situation so it is it can be really difficult and i try my best to navigate that in my dms as best as possible um i find other fitness trainers the the hardest one but hopefully my page is becoming like a bit of a resource where people can go and read things and ask questions and and get some more information and just plant the seed hopefully of them not just believing everything that they're seeing um yeah so it started with the diastasis recti and then from that i've read some things that 
I'd never even heard of like glute amnesia and <laughs> uh, butt gripping was another one um, where apparently people like clench their bum too tight when they're standing and I was just thinking no one stands like that <laughs> no it, it was just I I tried to recreate what they were doing in the video which they said can happen after pregnancy which is they reckon people like butt grip to overcompensate for um, carrying a child like you know when your child's heavy and you sort of offset them with one hip um, that you can then squeeze your glutes really tight and they call it butt gripping and I I stood there and did it and I was like no one would do this because it just doesn't feel right <laughs> it doesn't feel normal so this yeah it's gone it's gone on and on and I just discover something wild and wacky every week that I didn't even know existed but well they're just again. literally making up problems it's like yeah. cellulite Let, let's make up something for people to be worried about so for a problem that doesn't exist so then we can sell things to solve the problem that never existed in the first place mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it's, it's exactly the same when you when you strip back the elements the basis of it is the same create problem sell solution when the solution doesn't work blame the person for not doing yeah. the solution correctly and create that circle yeah, when you strip it back to the bare bones, it, it always follows the same formula. <laughs> ah, consumerism, consumerism. <laughs> God, we just love it. It's, it is literal. That is what, like, fitness industry diet, like, everything is just consumerism. So they can sell you something that you don't need because there was nothing wrong in the first place. But no. I think it is worth noting as well when, when people are saying, why would you know more? how often the qualifications are actually reviewed and updated and we say how often with quotation marks because how often they're actually reviewed is not very often at all yeah. and I imagine this is something that you have come across when you started looking into um setting up FPAWS with Emma and Becky um fitness professionals against weight stigma so I wanted to ask you a bit about that and how you how it sort of came about as a thing for you was it just because you were angry just you <laughs> you know just just again yeah I think passion's probably the the better word but yeah things about the industry make you angry and it was it was working with one-to-one -one clients who had had just appalling experiences with other trainers in other gyms and listening to those experiences and then trying my best to make sure that now that they were working with me that they were going to have a completely different experience it was going to be one that was more positive that really sort of spurred all that on and I was in the same online spaces as Becky and Emma, and we interacted regularly. I love Emma's content. I loved everything that she was posting about. She's got this amazing ability to make information like research papers more accessible to people. She doesn't use those as scientific jargon in her posts so that you know, anybody could read the post and get an understanding of what a body of research is, is saying. And she's really good at listening to other people and then producing information that it welcomes all experiences and is inclusive of everyone. She's absolutely nailed that. 
and Becky as a fat fitness instructor and bringing all of her experiences of, of how challenging she's found it to make a name for herself in the industry. I interacted with those two the most in those online spaces and they both seem to be the most active in those spaces as well as well as me and we were always waiting for somebody else to do something so there's obviously lots of um, other uh, intuitive movement and non-diet PTs who have got much bigger followings than me Becky or Emma had and we're always sort of going wouldn't it be great if so and so like did something <laughs> like anything uh, or, or tried to get people together in a way that you know raised more awareness and I, I would always think about what would personal trainers need to stop stigmatizing their clients and stop making them them have this awful experience like some of the things that my clients were telling me that had happened to them in, in other gyms and with other trainers I, I could never stop thinking about what personal trainers would actually need to learn about to stop doing that to people, to stop them from have, you know, having such a negative impact on people, obviously, whether that's their intention or not, because as we know, most of the time, they don't even know that they're doing that. Um, so that's when we started to look at the level two and level three qualifications that in the UK are governed by SIMSPA, and they set the standards and then any course provider can take the SIMSPA standards and create a course. So as long as it hits the sort of the very basic bullet point list that's been provided, they can sell and deliver a level two and three fitness qualification. But there's also very little um, in the way of monitoring those qualifications. So what we found was a lot of um, a lot of providers were just putting in their own content things that they thought were important, like. Um, making personal trainers make posters about the obesity epidemic and it's like that's not a criteria in the um, in the sort of simps for standards and yet here it was in this level two and three qualification so in these um, forums and Facebook groups that we were in we we're always having these conversations we we're always waiting for somebody else to do something and I was on maternity leave it was also a lockdown so my maternity leave with Freya coincided with the lockdown. And no, you don't have loads of time on your hand when you've got a little baby, but when you're also not able to leave the house and visit family and do all of those things, I sort of just had this gap in my mind where I was always thinking about these things. And I approached Becky and Emma and I said, no one else is doing anything. So maybe we should like try and set up at least a group or a community for personal trainers who are all working really hard to try and create better experiences for people make fitness more inclusive and that's how it started and we've we've achieved quite a lot in the sort of year that we've been going and um we've got plans to do more but of course because all of the work for f4s is all comes next to our paid jobs because it's all voluntary it things go slower than we perhaps want them to but we're still chatting we're still ticking we've still got a list of things that we want to achieve uh, for the industry and yes it's it's been brilliant to work with both of them and try and make some headway in the industry to make it a more inclusive place but that's sort of how it started by just waiting for other people to do things and then going 
we could probably do something ourselves because that's the other thing like if there is somebody listening who wants to do something but they're not sure if they're the right person i think sometimes you've just got to you've just got to go for it because you can always step aside when you find a better person for that role who wants to do it but us three we're all happy to volunteer our time our spare time we don't get paid for anything we do so we we were the best people to do it at the time because there wasn't anyone else offering that <laughs> how were simps simps birthed when you first approached them are they quite open to discuss about you know weight stigma and and things they were open to having an initial conversation and again it's more honest that we've not followed anything up with them um so i'm sure they would be open to more chats but they were very adamant that their qualifications are evidence-based current up-to-date and include everything that a personal trainer would need to know about where i massively disagree <laughs> with those ah. things yeah so they they were very happy that their qualifications meet a standard that somebody would need to train somebody and yeah i just i just didn't agree and they they do have um every few years they review their qualifications and they do open up a platform where people can give feedback and set and review the standards and give feedback on them but i don't think one of those is happening anytime soon but again, when we looked at the manuals, like the level two and three manuals, the references for that information, most of which is very out of date, there weren't many references at all, you haven't got anything on the social determinants of health, you've got very little on eating disorders and disordered eating. And yeah, you can argue that most of these things are not within the scope of practice of a personal trainer, but these are things that can affect every single client. So yes it's not a personal trainer's job to deal with disordered eating or eating disorders but you need to know what you're looking for so that you can refer on or so that you don't make the problem worse like that's the information that people need things like weight stigma that's a hugely researched area which intersects with every single uh, person's experience whether they're at work or at the gym or walking down the street and there's no there's nothing on that in you know when there's research to say that gyms are the worst places mm. for things like weight stigma that fitness professionals have got the most anti-fat bias out of any other profession so yeah it, they were open to a conversation they were quite they they agreed that the way people have been treated because we'd collected some lived experiences and We'd got screenshots of posts from fitness professionals that were, you know, that are very um, just abhorrent, basically, like the way they were talking about people in certain size bodies. And they agreed that all of that was really bad for the industry and and they didn't and that they don't support that sort of behavior at all. But like I said, they they were happy to double down and say that they think their courses are up to date and serve the purpose basically. So yeah, it was, it was great to chat to them and we'll be pursuing more of that, but it just, we knew then that they probably weren't the route that we'd, 
be able to go down, but we could produce our own course to fill in the gaps. And that is something that we're in the process of doing. Hmm. Once you have developed the course, will you then go to Simspa and say, look, this is what we've done. Will you have a look? Do you think that they would consider it or? Maybe, but again, we, we can use their format because Simspa will actually accredit courses. So you can buy their accreditation so that they put their name to your course. And as long as you meet certain requirements, they don't really, they're not really precious about what your course is about. Again, it's just a huge really? This is a huge problem. Um, so there's a lot of courses out there that, are, that have got Simspa accreditation that probably aren't very good or aren't based on very good information. But the flip side of that is that we can produce a course and get it accredited by Simspa on our own as well. So that was one of the one of the plans is to do that. So to use that weak structure in our favour mm. and uh, hopefully try and and get it into some gyms as well. So just before I, I was working at a commercial gym, just before I left, there was a whole new staff training qualification on harassment, which was all the great work of uh, gym safe ladies, which um, they worked really hard to create more awareness about harassment in gyms. And through their hard work, they managed to get some gyms to take on um, a course where staff all staff had to learn more about that and how it can play out in a gym so that was something that we took inspiration from and thought maybe we can get this on a staff training platforms for some of the biggest commercial gyms so for example pure gym just before i left had a tannoy announcement that said we think everybody's welcome regardless of race gender sexuality and they'd even put size on there so if they're going to say things like that on their tannoy announcements then they need to put the money where their mouth is and actually produce content for their staff which will mean that their staff make sure that they're being welcoming of people of all sizes and not contributing to problems that will perpetuate weight stigma for example so yeah we've got we've got a lot of plans in the pipeline it's just getting the time to action them and get going with them easier said than done <laughs> i imagine with simspur as well it will be a case of if they change the guidelines do they then have to go out to everybody who has a qualification already and tell them that they've got to change their qualifications and what in turn does that mean for the effort that simspur have to put in it'll all be down to how much work they've got to put in behind the scenes and then are they going to be because I think people would literally go but we've already paid you we've already got the accreditation we don't need to do anything so even if you change the guidelines now we've got it it doesn't matter um which I think would just be some really what are they going to do if people say that they have already got the accreditation but it's not beyond their remit to change it now so that people in the future have to include that in their qualifications it's just that it's easier to do nothing than to do something isn't it yeah oh. that's where it, we're doubling down and saying uh, we think our qualifications meet a really good standard I think that's where that comes from but I think from what I know about the Simspur accreditation is you pay yearly so I'm, I think they could take somebody's accreditation away 
for not meeting new standards. But like I was saying before, they've got a set of standards, but they're very broad um, and quite loose. And a lot of people interpret them and add in content that's not um, that Simsville would never go and tell them to take out. So there's no monitoring um, of those qualifications. So even if they change their standards and people had to put in new information, it doesn't mean that they would have to take out old information necessarily. So it's, it's a really tricky situation, but it does it all just comes down to that, you know, maybe people questioning more like who's written their course and what's what's the research for this where are your references so if if you're making if a course is making really bold statements um have they got references for that have they got research that you can read to um clarify all those things are they happy for you to ask questions or challenge them on certain topics so that would be my advice for doing a course but I would only now recommend a faster course to any personal trainer, even if somebody wants to be a personal trainer, they do level two and three, because I wouldn't say they're not an anti-diet weight inclusive company um, on the face of it. That's not how they market themselves. But what they are is client focused. And if you're client focused, you just see all of these things as barriers to your clients. So the, the weight loss client weight loss isn't a goal, it's something that's standing in the way of your client, it's stopping them from achieving the things that they want to achieve. So instead you focus on what they want to achieve and that removes the barrier from them. That's the way FASTA do their client focused approach. So although they're not marketing themselves as a, you know, a non-diet sort of company, essentially they're, they're a level up from that because they're just so client focused and they just help you you know, research what you need to to help your client that it just it takes all of those elements away. So I would only recommend doing a course through them um, from now on. And of course, there are trainers who do the courses who do help people lose weight. That's none of my business. But they again, they see weight loss again as a barrier, not something that is to be focused on or to you know overtake everything in somebody's life. They do talk about how difficult it is to lose weight and for how difficult it is for people to maintain it. So, you know, that they're not these traditional like weight loss PTs who are literally like, you know, you've got to burn this off, you've got to eat less, move more, you know, all those really, really sort of quite toxic people. They're they're just a really good bunch of trainers who won't give their client any advice unless it is the best advice for them. So I would only recommend them. Ignore everybody else in the industry. That should just be the basic level though. Like exactly. Just, like it should be the just, bare minimum. Yeah. Just to do that. That's what at the yeah. end of the day, you come into this profession really to help people, to help people be more active and to help people find a way to feel better about themselves. And I know that a lot of people are doing the best they can with. The information that they've got which is obviously where you've seen is like right well, we need to change the information so therefore then they can do better with that and um i know it is i know for me you know you mentioned sort of toxic fitness professionals or to toxic sort of behaviors <clears throat> it, it's i'm learning myself that to not be angry at the individual, to be angry at the system. But it's so hard sometimes when you see like 
eat less move more calorie fucking deficit and all this crap and it's like and and they've got over a million followers and they and they yeah it's crazy it's really really difficult because you can't always separate the people from the system because people make up the system like so that it's really difficult to do so i think the the best way to go about it and this is again what i've learned from my now mentors is you don't punch down at other people so mm -hmm. if if it's an individual who's posting something it's best not to punch down at another trainer as an individual if you want to share their content and sort of unpack it for people leave their identity out of it and that sort of thing um it's always better to keep it more helpful for the people who are watching or reading your content like this is a misinformation but this is what you need to know so always bringing it back to that positive and just reiterating again that um especially with the pre and postnatal stuff i'll always reiterate i used to believe this so this this is you know this trainer's not they're not a bad person or anything like that it's i used to believe this because this is what's taught but this is what i know now and always bring it back to that like you said it's the information that's being given out by the course providers that's the problem not the individual who's you know giving out that information because that they're, they're that's what they got taught so that's what they're going to use and it's so hard i mean there's even a quite a big name in um like women's fitness some uh, course provider who i used to think was um you know a bit like a gold standard for you know reframing things for women i've been looking at some of their blogs and and they're full of misinformation so i'm going no i really liked them like and that's what it, it can it's a real challenge because it's not that you don't like those people anymore or that trainer or that that company, it's that again, they've just got the wrong information and people need better information. And that's that's the bottom line. But it is really hard to separate person and system. It, it can't always be done, but it's just the way you way you go about it. Never make it personal <laughs> to yeah. anybody. Because it, it's not about being personal, it's about helping your clients and helping people who rely on you for fitness information they're the most important people mm. and other trainers as well um i know that some of the conversations i've had have helped other trainers to open their minds a little bit more and mm. and question some of the things they've learned so it helped you've got to bring it back to being helpful not mm. just getting that comedy value out or yeah yeah stuff. <laughs> i think this is the thing though it's like it's challenging whole belief systems and whole identities and, and that I think that's why sometimes people do sort of they can't they can't contemplate that actually weight loss isn't the best thing in the world for people and I think because it is so embedded into our psyche that we've grown up with this message and I think that's why a lot of people get angry and a lot of people sort of you know, I mean, for me personally, recently, uh, my um, I've been getting a hell of a lot of trolling just because of uh, I don't know why. Um, well, I I do know why, but I don't know why it's recently. I should say, <laughs> like, just the the classic um, promoting obesity, and uh, it it yeah, it, it does make people angry because, as I say, you're challenging their beliefs, which is 
on par with challenging their identity sometime and that's why people get a bit standoffish I think yeah but I think that's the trouble again with when you in the when you've aligned what you do so much with who you are mm. like and with your identity that then becomes really challenging to be um to be told that something you're saying isn't reflective of everyone's experience and sometimes I get very confused with um sort of for people for trainers who focus on weight loss I get really confused because you only have to work with people one-to-one -one for a short amount of time to realize how hard people find it to stick to diets and it's not because they're not disciplined or they're not trying hard enough it's because the normal life is not conducive of being um, and it's not even being restrictive like for most people, what they're being told they need to eat or how much they need to exercise, they can't do that in their life. Like it's just, they would have to sacrifice so much and so much enjoyment and why should they? Mm -hmm. And but I, I only worked with one-to-one -one clients in a gym for a few months before I realized that, yeah, this is hard for people and it does, and it's making them miserable. So sometimes yeah. when these weight loss coaches are really doubling down, you know, against their belief systems, I'm thinking, do they actually work with people one-to-one -one, or do they just assume that everybody's lying about what they've eaten and, you know, oh, you didn't lose weight this week, so you must not have exercised and you must have lied about it. Do they just think everybody's lying about what they're doing um, or are their clients so scared to tell them how they really feel? I don't know, something's missing there. Like to me, all those things, really fell into place really quickly because all you, all you have to do is listen to people and believe what they're saying like because why would they lie yeah <laughs> they're paying you for a service like why would they lie to you about what they're doing so there is something really off with with that whole attitude of you know people are just not trying hard enough it's like who do you actually work with like yeah really and, I, and i think that the thing to note as well is people will often come saying well I've I've exercised before and I've dieted before and I lost this much weight but then I've gained it all back again so I really want to lose it again but I'm really struggling and rather than having the conversation of okay well why why do you want to do it what is because most of the time it's nothing to do with the weight it's to do with something else but also we don't talk about the fact that you can't just exercise weight off and everybody has a set point weight and genetics and lifestyle and age and even even to the point of quite often I find so for example my mom and all of her friends are at an age where they've gone through menopause and they will constantly talk about the need to lose weight post-menopause when in reality, women gain weight post-menopause because your bone density lowers and a higher weight, body weight, means that it, your bones are more protected. But society sells them this idea that you can go through menopause and you can still stay nice and slim and you should stay nice and slim. So I should do that, take these tablets and do this exercise and eat this. And that's like everything is filtered in and fitness professionals are told that they can be part of that solution so they believe that they can be part of, so it's it's just like this constant cycle that goes around 
but the fact that there is this group of us who are trying to push a different narrative and we are all joining in together because actually Kim and I connected because we're both part of S4s and would never have met despite the fact that we live very close to one another if it wasn't for that network and we are as far as we know the only his aligned trainers in the area and we're the only sort of I don't want to say we're the only health at every size but only size inclusive trainers because there may be other trainers out there but from my experience there is not there are not a lot around near us um Mm. when I went off on maternity leave I actually reached out to a couple of the girls on SPAS because some of my clients wanted to keep training but there is nobody nearby that I trusted to take care of my clients because I knew that it would all come down to weight and and size and that's not what my clients wanted um, so it's great that we can create these networks and it's not just through FPAWS that you've done that. So now you have this whole other community that you've got where y- you yourself are coaching a pre and postnatal community of people um, as well as you've got other trainers on board to do um, nourish movement in. If you want to, t- do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So Nourish, Move, Maintain was the baby of me and Michael Ujoa, who approached me on Instagram. So I originally started following Michael and he followed me back on Instagram because he'd done a podcast with, again, Ashalami, aka Fat Doctor UK, after their appearance on This Morning. And we're, we're talking like nearly two years ago now. And... I remember listening to it because I just thought, oh my God, a, this is a PT and we were just really worried that again, they Ash was going to get grilled, similar in the way that she, uh, they were getting grilled on their Instagram and through their appearance on this morning. So we were all the, the people who were sort of behind Ash and really supportive of them made sure that we were just in every space that they were in to make sure that we could um, you know, provide support as friends. And I remember listening to the podcast with Michael and I can't remember what the host of the other, the other name of the host on the podcast is, which is Michael's friend. And they just spoke so openly with Ash about um, you know, being in a fat body and how the fitness industry really lets people down. And I was like, wow, this is so refreshing, especially, and I don't like to say, but from male trainers, um, I was like, this is really refreshing. I was like, this guy, he seems okay. So I gave him a follow. Um, at the time, he, he didn't have that many followers on Instagram. He has since just blown up recently. Like he makes the most amazing reels. Like, I don't know how he lip syncs so well, but... <laughs> clearly a talent that he was hiding um so when instagram reels took off some of his reels have really sort of blown up and and he's gained a load more followers but we we'd been following each other and, and always just exchanging a bit of like friendly fitness banter through dms and then before christmas he sent me a message and he was like hey really random but i'd really like to propose um a bit of a, a business idea to you and, and see if we can work on something together and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, don't really get, I'd say again, don't really get asked to do these things. 
I do. It's just this big lie. It's just my <laughs> imposter syndrome being like, no one asked me to do anything. Um, and we, we had a Zoom call. And again, this is just such a beautiful thing. This is where Instagram and online communities can just be so amazing. You know, just, just you have to ignore all the, the trolling comments and the and all of the other factors, but these are the beautiful moments. So he said, we met on a Zoom call and he was like, I run this fitness group that I started during lockdown. It's become a bit flat. I want to relaunch it, but I want to relaunch it with another trainer who I really respect and align with. And I was always oh, talking about me. Um, <laughs> and we put our heads together, thought of a few names. We just wanted a few words that reflected how we feel somebody's fitness journey should be. So we picked the name Nourish, Move and Maintain, which is NMM for short. And we set up the group and yeah, it's been going really, really well. So it's, it's a very simple fitness community, So, but that's what we wanted it to be because we, we found that a lot of the other things on offer were very complicated, like um, it's this 12 week plan or this, you know, this meal plan or, you know, all these other sort of like really regimented or rigid things. We just wanted a fitness community that was, here's some workouts that you can try. That's it. <laughs> like if you want to work out more, if you want to move more, here's, here's some workouts. Um, me and me and Michael are in the group. If you need us, like, let's have fun and that's that's nourish move and maintain at its very simplest is that is just a variety of workouts of different lengths no shame no pressure no talking about weight loss in the classes there's no talking about earning or burning food or shaping or toning different body parts it's all very functional focused um so we've now we've got a Another trainer, Karen Preen, who's absolutely amazing. Anybody who doesn't follow her definitely should go and find her. Um, and she does a kettlebell class. I do a bodyweight sort of um, mobility and strength class and a dumbbell class. Michael does a HIIT class. And we've also got a yoga instructor in there. And all of the classes just stream into a Facebook group, which is usually quite accessible to people. And then there's some app-based gym workouts as well. If somebody wants to do, is looking for gym workouts and we try to make it as affordable as possible. So it's, it's, it's like working with a personal trainer, but not as expensive as like a one-to-one -one coaching situation. And it, and it's going really well. And just off the back of that, I, I did have a few messages from people saying, are the workouts in the group suitable for people who are pregnant? And I was like, well, they're not not suitable, but I suppose there's no specific language about, you know, different trimesters or how to adapt pregnancy um, workouts for pregnancy. So off the back of that, we set up this little sister group, which is the um, pre and postnatal group. So we have got Baby Bump and Beyond, which is specifically for those looking for workouts in pregnancy, but not just workouts in that group. There are heaps and heaps of information about many of the things that I talk about on my Instagram, but in more detail. So there's these um, on Facebook groups now, they've got guides where you can put information in little subcategories, which is really nice and it looks, it's easy to find the information. So there's just categories on there, um, helping people navigate pregnancy and nutrition, um, working out, things like that. And yeah, that's that really. Um, we've been going for, 
Yeah, only for about seven months because we launched um, 1st of January this year. But since then, it's just it's grown and grown and we, we get new signups all the time. And it's just a nice, easy place to be. But yeah, anybody is anybody's welcome. That was the sort of the premise behind it. Yeah, and I think, as you said, the workouts are the different lengths, so they're not really long workouts. So it's good if you do have like you yourself little ones running around or you're short on time because you've got to run to work or you just want sort of 10 minutes of movement and it gives you that opportunity to get it in and feel good and then you're done and you've been able to join in with a community and do it or you've been able to do it whenever you can just click a button and go which is great especially having like you said, different instructors on board is always great because you've got different disciplines there um, and you can rely on each other, I'm guessing, to teach a class if the other one can't do it unless it's, you know, for purposes of you you feeling too sick and pregnant and you can't really do the <laughs> baby workout that yeah. day. It's, I mean, one of the things that we really wanted to push with both the groups is this idea that working out doesn't have to be this whole thing where it's like an hour long or 45 minutes long. Like, I don't know who is doing 45 minutes to an hour's worth of working out at home. Like in a gym, it's a bit different because you spend time getting there. And once you're there, you think, well, I might as well you know, be here for a bit longer. But when it comes to just doing workouts at home they can be short and snappy and fitness does have that like accumulative um factor so you could do 10 minutes in the morning and then if you had time later you could do another 10 15 minutes later on and that that's going to add up to then 25 minutes half an hour so trying to really reframe for people that working out doesn't have to be this massive task that takes all this time and that shorter workouts can be really effective for a variety of goals. Again, there's no specific goal really within the group. It's just people who want to move more because that is a great reason to do it all on its own. That's a great goal for somebody to have. I've got loads of one-to-one -one clients that have got no specific goal. They just want to exercise and it to not be, not to feel like this all or nothing endeavor and this thing that takes over their life. And many of them are confused about, you know, well, I didn't sweat in that workout. So was it good enough? Or I wasn't, I'm not sore after doing that workout. So did I not do it right? And there's lots of these things that people feel make work that they don't feel like the workout was enough or successful unless they've had certain indicators like being sweaty or out of breath. And you have to work really hard to reframe that because movement is movement when your goal is to move more. So. <laughs> like it it really doesn't matter so that was one of the things that we really wanted to emphasize in the group and that's why we've got workouts that have i think 10 minutes is the shortest and then we've got um all increments from that up until about 30 35 minutes the yoga is 45 minutes because it's a, a planned class um from an instructor called mika so he does a 45 minute class and when it comes to somebody not being able to make a class it's not even necessarily about getting cover because we have the workouts go live at certain times but if somebody can't do one for say reason like they're you know feeling poorly again one of the things we want to reiterate to people is it is okay to skip a workout so if you can't model that as an instructor then you can't really instill that into the people who are investing in your fitness message so 
although there is always with your own business this like need to like oh my god i've missed a class so i need to make up for it we've really tried hard to just be like look if you can't do a class one week it's fine like it's no big deal say the reason why move on because we've got so many replays saved in there now it's not like they've got no workouts to follow um so that's really us as well yeah it's it's really interesting to hear because it um body image fitness is very very similar format um with different instructors and all sort of a safe space and it's it's so true and and actually it's refreshing hearing you say that because for me sometimes if I'm really 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 not feeling well I'll push through and do the class and actually it is important for people to to reiterate it's okay to miss a workout um you know definitely but but it's 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 lovely having these safe spaces for people to be able to to move their bodies um and not have to worry about it being punishment and yeah it's great yeah i think people really worry that if they don't force themselves to go through with working out that they'll just never work out again but it really isn't the case because not moving doesn't feel nice like when people aren't exercising their their body's probably looking for all kinds of reasons to move like just naturally just i was talking on my stories on instagram earlier about how children don't need encouragement to work out and join in a workout with an adult because for them movement is just part of learning and part of playing Mm -hmm. they don't need any encouragement to move because they'll find ways to do it with the other things that they're doing and it's like if you've ever been on a long plane journey or a long car journey and you enter a house or wherever and someone goes i'll take a seat and you go do you know what i've just been sat in the car for ages i'll just stand for a bit that is intuitive movement that is your body saying do you know what we've been still for ages let's just stand up or when you're on a plane and you just get that urge to want to walk up and down the aisle that is a a really microscopic example of not being able to move and wanting to and that will play out on a on a larger scale for people who aren't exercising at the moment is that they they will want to move your body wants you to move it wants you to stretch it wants you to walk around and and get those feelings because not moving doesn't feel great so people are really worried that they'll never exercise again if they stop but it's unlikely to happen because it's just something that feels good for us when framed in the right way and obviously that's really important as well it's got to be framed in the right way for people to want to do it more um mm. and it that's one of the things that i work with my one-to-one clients on the most is stopping exercise and eating habits that they want to make stopping them from feeling like that all or nothing mm. endeavor where they're all in and then they miss one day or, a, or they're ill for a few days and then they're like oh fuck it i'm not doing anything ever again and um, trying to help people stop falling into that mindset where it is this this all or nothing thing that they're making a big meal of Mm -hmm. and and that's I think that is one of the things I help people with the most it's just reframing that attitude around exercise and eating habits but yeah it's um you will exercise again yeah (laughs) I think that's that's, 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 that's,
that's like the most challenging part of it though isn't it like changing someone else's mindset because it is you can have all the tools there and all of the understanding and I'm talking from the perspective of the client that can know all of these things and they can apply them to everybody else but they cannot apply them to themselves because mm-hmm. it's it's not even like they don't know it they just they just don't think that they are able to do that they're not allowed to do that like I had a client today who she's on holiday next week she does two sessions a week but she said can you fit me in for three this week and I said well I can but why well because I'll be off and and that's really bad but why will it be bad that you and and it is unpicking that as to where that feeling comes from and feeling guilty for missing a workout or feeling Mm. guilty for eating something that you shouldn't have eaten in again in quotation marks shouldn't have eaten because you just again being fed all these messages that that's what you're supposed to do and it it is sort of retuning your brain to think in a different way um and I think that that is what most people want they just want to be able to move and feel good they want to be able to eat and enjoy it and just like live but we're not allowed to just live yeah I think they just they want to exercise and it not be this big deal that doesn't take over their life like for one of my clients her biggest thing was she was like I want to be able to work out and like and like not tell anyone (laughs) you know because like there's so much when someone goes on a fitness journey or they start a new diet they suddenly start posting about it on their socials for accountability and she was like I just want to work out and no one know about it like I'm not telling anyone I don't want to post about it she was like then I'll know that I've really like changed you know my outlook on exercise if I can just do it and it and it not be known by anyone because yeah. there is a whole like well if you don't post about your workout did it even happen and it's that was just really I thought I really sort of summed up that whole you know fitness becomes this whole thing where you've got to talk about it and then you're in the staff room at work telling everybody what you did at the gym and oh look at my lunch and you know it it just sort of becomes part of like saying becomes part of your identity when exercise is actually just such a small part of somebody's life like and it doesn't really matter I think that's like the bottom line as well like you can do this thing because it feels good but if you don't do it it doesn't really matter because there are some other things that are way more important and Yes, movement is meaningful in lots of contexts, but it's not meaningful for everything. And it's just getting that balance right. And again, you can only do that if you've got that client and you ask them the right questions and you focus on what they want to achieve. But yeah, it's uh, it is really, really difficult. And some people just need a lot more time to process that than others. Like some people, some people move on quite quickly. Other people need you know, six months, a year, more than a year to try and like play these scenarios out and constantly be spoken through them. And and just the personal trainer then becomes a base of support to just talk about like what happened? How did it make you feel? Like it becomes like a, a very strange, like almost therapy session where you're just helping the client process how they felt about missing a workout or how they felt eating a certain food and, you know, I'm very good, like, stay way within my scope of practice, but I just question and say, right, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, does that matter? How are you going to move forward? What's what's tomorrow going to bring? 
and just help them play that out um, in their own in their own words without me actually really saying a lot other than just asking some questions and most people they they know how to follow a workout and do movement it's it's how it makes them feel in between is the bit that they they need to work on like like say when they miss one and it takes over their mind and makes them feel guilty it's actually that's the biggest part for them but yeah <laughs> amy i could sit and chat with you all night <laughs> and like unpick your brain but I am aware that we've kept you for a very long time and it is almost sort of well it is nine o'clock at night and I imagine after a full day with a tiny human and growing a tiny human <laughs> you probably want to just go and uh, relax a little bit but it's been absolutely amazing talking to you and I can't wait to see what this week's myths you are, myths you de debunk are going to be. Um, and what, what reels you put on so that we can see you, you know, maybe eating some plastic toast or... Favourite. <laughs> 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 oh, thank you so much. And really appreciate you coming on and giving us all of this information. Thank yeah, you're you're such an inspiration. Sorry, I just oh, thank completely you. spoke out over you, but yeah, I just needed to say you're such an inspiration. Like it's um yeah, it's 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 we're really lucky to have you in the fitness industry, and we're lucky to have you on our side. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's just, it's so nice to actually talk to adults at the end of the day, <laughs> small people. It's like adult conversation instead of just um absolute gobbledygook I mean even my nine-year-old doesn't make much sense half the time you know like one he like head in the screen and trying to say something to you and you're like what yeah <laughs> what was that? yeah and you're going to be doing this for like another 18 years ish <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so my time will come when both the little ones are at school so I've got you know a good four years before, <laughs> before that happens but uh, no, I, I absolutely, I love, I love parenting, mostly <laughs> love parenting. It's hard, but it is incredibly rewarding, just like pushing back against fitness narratives. Like it's very difficult, but it's very rewarding. Um, and I think you've just got, you've got to have a certain personality to deal with that and, and put yourself in that situation. So Honestly, whenever I see any trainer just going against the grain slightly or just, you know, challenging what are the, fit, you know, the fitness messages that we have um, that are more dominant, I'm just like, yeah, huge respect because it does take a lot to, to put yourself in that position because you are putting yourself in the firing line as mm -hmm. Kim has known well this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for giving us that platform because without, like I said, without FPAWS, Kim and I wouldn't have connected and we wouldn't all be having this conversation right now. And I can't wait to see what else you do in the future. And I can't wait to see the new addition to the family because no doubt we are going to be seeing more reels with Freya and new baby <laughs> together doing, doing their thing. So good luck with it all. Thank you so much. Yeah, Freya is mostly the star of my Instagram. I'll uh, take my hat off to her. Yeah, she's got her own fan base. So. <laughs>
<laughs> the other one will be just as cute. Yeah, I'm sure. And um, I'm going to end on this this one last thing for anybody that does follow Amy. I'm just going to remind you, on behalf of Freya, drink more water. <laughs> <laughs>